Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. with me to Luke the 12th chapter. We're going to start at the 16th verse. I know I've been preaching a series on the mighty Holy Ghost and I'm not done with that yet. Yeah. Uh, I think God uh, wanted me to go this direction this week. I kept getting it more than one time as I was studying. He says I want you to go this direction and I'm a little bit spiritual but I'm not too spiritual to not allow God to interrupt me sometimes. Right. Amen. Amen. And uh, when you get to the place where God can't interrupt you anymore, he can't use you, right? Amen. I know we have our agenda, we have our notes, and we have exactly what we want to preach, but sometimes God will change it. Amen? Amen. And we've got to be open to that. So we'll get back to the mighty Holy Ghost. I ain't nearly done with that series yet, but I want to talk to you this morning about being rich towards God. Amen. Rich toward God. In Luke 12, 16, I'm going to read in the New King James. Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself. He's talking about this rich farmer. So is this rich farmer or anybody like him who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He lays up tre treasure for himself but is not rich toward God. I like the way the New Living Translation says verse 21. It says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. If you're storing up worthy worth earthly wealth but you don't have a rich relationship with God you're a fool right. I didn't say it, God said it yeah. and this particular story no doubt is about money possessions probably could say hoarding and greed and there's no doubt about it that's what this parable is about and that's what most people walk away with after they read it or after they hear a message on it because it's been preached to death, I, I can tell you that much. But that's not the only thing that we should glean from this parable. Everything in the Word of God is important. But I would say that what I'm about to tell you is even more important than the lesson that we can learn on greed and, and possessions, worldly possessions and things like that. And like I said, sermons have been preached from this parable that emphasize people's quest for riches and the greed that it causes and they almost make it sound like it's wrong to be prosperous or to have earthly possessions. But it's not, 
at all. God wants us to prosper, and he really wants us to have riches and possessions. He just doesn't want them to control us. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that will back up what I just said. I'm just going to give you two. Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants us to prosper in every area of our lives. And he tells us in the latter part of Psalms 35, 27, that he takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. It pleases him when we prosper. So God's not against prosperity. He's not against us enjoying earthly treasures or having earthly possessions. He wants us to have them. Amen. And although our opening passage of scripture definitely speaks to worldly riches and greed and uh, uh, hoarding and all of that stuff, it seems that we overlook what I believe to be an even bigger problem here, and that is this. Where in that passage of scripture is the mention of God? No mention of God in that passage of scripture. And uh, there's just not enough of God in this man's vocabulary. And you remember I told you before, too many big eyes and little U's will get you in trouble. And that's what this rich farmer has. He thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods and i will say to my soul so you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry too many eyes not enough gods in that vocabulary i mean where's god's recognition here what about god's will he made it clear what his will was but what about god's will and i think the problem here is failing to acknowledge god the one who caused that prosperity. Yes. Failing to acknowledge the blesser yes. rather than the blessing. Amen. And that's what's missing in this passage of scripture. There's no acknowledgement, no recognition, no uh, esteeming of God in this passage of scripture. Didn't give God any glory at all. This is all his work and what he did. Amen. And God said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. In other words, you're going somewhere tonight. I'm not saying he wouldn't save. I'm not saying he went to hell. But he, he gave his life that night. So we can make all the plans we want. But you better include God in those plans. Amen. 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 Yes. Jerry Savelle once said that, you know, we make a plan and ask God to bless it. Yes. He said, ask God for the plan. It will already be blessed. Amen. Amen. And so James, in the fourth chapter, he tells us this. Come on now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil. In other words, we even brag about how successful we are and how great we are and all the 
amazing feats that we perform and the job that I have and the, job, and the work that I do and there's no acknowledgement of God in there and it's a dangerous place to be. And that's exactly what this rich farmer was doing. He was bragging about his accomplishments. And James is not saying here that we shouldn't plan for a future. He's telling us plan for a future, but make sure it's the Lord's will. Make sure you ask God what he wants. You know, Queenie will ask me, are we going to work at the church this week? I said, yeah, let's meet over here on Thursday at 9 o'clock if the Lord wills. Don't I say that, Queenie? I always say that. I always recognize that when people ask me to do something, I say, if the Lord wills, we'll do such and such and so and so. And that's what exactly what it's talking about. The Lord is not saying that he doesn't want us to do things or plan for a future, but he does want us to acknowledge him Amen. and say, what's your will? If you will, I'm going to do this and that. And God will direct you. If it's not his will, he'll direct you in another direction. But what happened? God called him a fool, told him his life was over, and asked him, hey, all those things that you worked so hard for and labored for all these years and stressed over them and worried over them, because that's exactly what that was presented in that passage of Scripture, a whole lot of worry and stress. Uh, and he said, now whose are all those things going to be? Well, I'll just leave them to my kids. Most kids ain't going to appreciate it. Most kids will send it up a rope and it'll be gone before you know it. Amen. But rather, he says to lay up treasure in heaven. Lay it up in heaven. How you do that? By giving down here. Amen. Not hoarding it. If you need a warehouse... Oh, I know it's going to step on somebody's toes. Come on. You got too much stuff. Yeah. If you got things in your basement, attic, car, you store it, facility, whatever, that you haven't used in a year, you don't need it. Yeah. That's a rule I have. If I don't use it in a year, I'm getting rid of it. Give it to somebody that's going to use it. Right. Amen. Yeah. And don't store it down here. Store it up there. You know, we strive for things all the time. And in the process, we forget about God. Because when things are going good, yeah. people don't think about God. Yes. And, and we focus on the blessing, and we fail to recognize who's doing the blessing. Yeah. And we try to take credit for the things that God is doing. And before you know it, we've accumulated all these things, and our life is over. Yes. Right. Now, whose will these things be? Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's not saying don't lay up treasures for yourself. He's saying that don't lay them up and then neglect your relationship with God. Be rich toward God. Amen. And, and uh, you know, there's other things more important than worldly possessions and goods. Is your marriage relationship rich? Is your family relationships rich? Are you rich in love? Are you rich in joy? Are you rich in kindness? Are you rich in compassion? Are you rich in love? Are you rich in these things? Because they're far more important than any worldly possessions that you can gain. But we concentrate on material things, worldly possessions, and we overlook, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, the weightier matter of the law or the weightier matter of things. Yes, this is a really good parable on possessions and hoarding and greed and uh, all of that stuff. But 
the bigger lesson here, I think, is in our not acknowledging God. And, and this parable is more about being rich towards God than it is anything else. Uh, things that really count, and not as much about being rich in worldly possessions. Because at the end of the parable, he says, so is he, you know, that layeth up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. So he wants us to be rich toward God. He wants us to have a rich relationship with God. Amen. And so this is talking about laying up treasure in heaven rather than on the earth. I mean, we need to have some things here. And, and we need to have maybe a little savings for a rainy day. And if you believe like that, you will have your rainy day. But it don't hurt to have a little bit of savings. I like to have savings in case somebody needs some help. I can help them. If, if I don't have any savings, I can't help them when they need it. Because I'd have to take from my substance, and one of us is going to have to do without. So it might as well be them. I'm just being honest. But if I have a savings, neither one of us have to do without. Amen? Amen. I can help somebody. Hallelujah. So it's talking about laying up treasure in heaven rather than on the earth. This is talking about being sold out to God and not sold out to the world. That rich farmer was sold out to the world. His only concern was worldly possessions and how he was going to keep them all. So this is talking about being on fire for God. And, you know, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus spoke to a rich young ruler. And, <coughs> excuse me, this rich young ruler wanted to know how to get to heaven. And Jesus says, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. So how do you get treasure in heaven? By giving to the poor. How do you add to your heavenly bank account? By giving things away down here. And then he says, take up the cross and follow me. And everything he would have given would have been deposited in his heavenly account. And he would have drawn interest from it. And here's the, here's the best part about it. He would be drawing that interest down here where he could use it. He's, he's, he's putting into his heavenly account, drawing interest down here. That's why God gives us so, so many promises. Give and it shall be given to you. If you tithe, he'll rebuke the devourer. Yes. If, if you sow, you will reap. I mean, he's given us all these promises down here. This is how we reap interest down here. We deposit it in heaven's account. Yeah. You know, if I knew that Ethan had a need, he needed a tank of gas to get him back and forth this week till he gets his paycheck, and I gave him 50 bucks for a tank of gas, I know I'm handing it to him, but it's going right directly to my heavenly account. And, and you know, when you give it to an offering, I know some of you might think that's the end of that, but it's not. It's going into your heavenly account. Uh, if you're tithing, God's rebuking the devourer for your sake. And if you're giving above and beyond the tithe, that is seed that you're sowing to your heavenly account. God will take notice of that. And you'll get interest down here for it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a good God. And he's looking for ways to bless us. Yes. And that's one of the ways that he blesses us. Yes. But the rich young ruler didn't have anything 
and the Bible said that uh, didn't give anything, and the Bible said it made him sad, and he went away grieved because he had so much stuff. Yes. You know, I can't give this up. He was sold out to the world. And he not only went away with all this stuff, but he went away lost. He was lost. He was just offered a relationship with Jesus and eternal life. A rich relationship towards God, the thing that Jesus said we should seek. But he turned it down because of his worldly possessions. This young ruler and the rich farmer were sold out to the world. They loved the world more than they loved the things of God. He came to this young ruler, came to Jesus and asked him, how, how do I get to heaven? Jesus told him, and he walks away sad. Sometimes we make uh, decisions about temporal things that affect our eternity. Uh, we make decisions that are eternal and, and rather than just temporal. And, and that's just silly to do that. We should consider eternal things first. What's better? I invest here or I invest down here? Right. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. And does, you know, like I said, does Jesus have something against people having riches? No, he has something against riches having people. And he said himself, it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. He said, he said hardly will a rich man enter heaven. In other words, it's going to be hard for a rich man to enter heaven. And then he said, it's easier to shove a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. Uh, that's in Luke chapter 18. He said it was hard for a rich man, but not impossible. Why? Because all things are possible with God. What's impossible for man is possible with God. It's not going to be easy, but you can make it. Unfortunately, riches or personal possessions aren't the only thing that will cause you to sell out to the world. We turn our, our back on Jesus for a lot of different reasons, but they all have to do with worldly, fleshly things. Yes. Amen. Amen. And no one is safe from selling out if the price is right. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons we keep telling you the importance of church attendance, reading the word, praying, fellowshipping, Giving, uh, having fellowship with one another, yeah. not just with God, but with one another. And we try to emphasize this in this church. I mean, that's why it's called Faith Fellowship Church. We want you to fellowship with God first, but we also want you to have a relationship with one another. And the only way that happens is when we get together back there and have hot dogs yeah. or ice cream sundaes. Or we have a work day. Or we have a special meeting. Or we go somewhere with the women. Or we go somewhere with the men. That's fellowship. And we need all of that. Amen. Because we need to talk to one another. Put down our pride. Humble ourselves. Talk to one another. And talk about some of the problems that we're going through. Because some of the one you're talking to may need to have the experience you've already went through. And if we never get together and we not, don't talk or anything... That, that guy goes on suffering and you go on with a valuable thing inside of you that you could have gave to them. Amen. 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 Fail not to assemble yourselves together. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you start compromising in these areas like church attendance, reading the word, praying, fellowship, and tithing, getting involved, 
Uh, when you start compromising in these areas, you're putting up a for sale sign, and the devil will make you an offer. Amen. Amen. And it's going to look good at first. Mm -hmm. But if you accept that offer, you're going to find out it wasn't that good offer after all. Amen. Amen. And the only way that you can avoid this is if you're already sold out to God. I'm not saying that he won't make you an offer, but I'm saying you won't even think about it when you're sold out for God. God said you can't serve two masters. Yes. You're going to either serve one and hate the other or cling to one and, and hate the other, but you can't serve them both. Yes. So if you're serving God, you can't accept an offer from the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sold out to God. And Jesus also addressed this issue in his letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he says, Unto the angel or the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. They had some good discernment. Amen. And hath borne and hath patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hath not fainted. So Jesus just described what we would call a great church right here. Good works, intense labor, patience, hating evil, great discernment, and it was all done in Jesus' name. That's a great church. And from the very beginning, these believers experienced mighty demonstrations of the power of God. Because, you know, uh, these churches were located in Asia Minor. Uh, a lot of idol worship, a lot of heathens, heathens living in that area. And these are the people they're ministering to. And yet they see these mighty demonstrations of God's power. And they seen people delivered from idol worship and evil spirits and healed from all kinds of infirmities. So this church, you could say, was on fire for God. They were sold out to God. Sold out church. Yeah. But as time passed, the Ephesian believers began to just play church. They got so busy playing church that they lost their intimacy and their zeal for Jesus. Their richness toward God and their relationship with God began to suffer. And serving God became a chore rather than a joy. As a matter of fact, in spite of the compliments and commendations that Jesus made about them, he gave them a stern warning about something that they needed to do immediately or he was going to take their light away from them. He said, I have somewhat against thee, in spite of all the good things you're doing, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And then he said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Still a church, still doing good works, uh, still discerning, still doing all the things they did in the beginning. However, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. Even though you're doing all of these things, you, you've left your first love. You forgot the reason that you're doing all these things. And now you're just working. Uh, you're just playing church. And he says... Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except you repent. 
So they're so busy playing church, they forgot about the one that they were serving and they left their first love. As we walk with the Lord and we begin to grow and mature in the things of God, there's always the danger that we can get complacent. There's always the danger that we can think that we've arrived and we begin to take the things of God and the blessings of God for granted. Amen. We don't acknowledge him anymore. We don't praise him. We don't give him glory. We don't thank him. We just get so used to it. We just, just keep going through life, collecting and accumulating. And not acknowledging God like that rich farmer did. We can get conceited and inflated with pride, Paul says. And worst of all, complacent. Playing church. We begin to lose the zeal and the spiritual fire that we once had. And church has become humdrum. And the name of Jesus doesn't move us like it used to. It doesn't excite us anymore. We're not excited about coming to church anymore. As a matter of fact, we start uh, looking for not opportunities, but uh, we, we begin to look for good reasons to miss church. And that's a heart condition. Don't blame the preaching. Don't blame the praise and worship. Don't blame the color of the walls or the parking lot or the, how far it is to get here. That's your problem. That's your heart condition. It's got nothing to do with the church. And you know why I can say that? Because it happens in every church in this world, in the country, in the world. You've got people in there that think church is humdrum and can't even get excited anymore. And so they start blaming everything but the real problem. And as long as they do that, they're going to keep the problem. Yeah. Right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We should get excited about church. Yes. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, uh, when, when we were going to that little old church in the country, yeah. they had Saturday night service, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service. And I'm telling you, I started getting excited on Tuesday. <laughs> and started looking forward to get, going to church on Saturday night. And, and I'm telling you, it was like that every week. I would get butterflies in my stomach thinking about going to church. I still get excited about going to church. That never left me. Yeah. And, and when there was a couple times in our life where we were void of a church, we had left one and we were searching for another. And I'm telling you, there was something just was grinding in here. Get in church. Find a church. Amen. And even when we came here uh, from Ramah, we never missed a weekend of church. We go here, go here. We went to Evangel. We went to Ann's old church. We, we went somewhere. Right. Why? It was in here. Yes. We were excited to do it. Amen. Amen. And we need to get that back if we don't have it. Because you're in a dangerous place. Dangerous place. Uh, you know, if you don't get excited about church and you think it's humdrum or you think it's become a chore to come to church, uh, and it uh, begins to become a routine and you get so familiar with the things of God and the blessings of God and the word of God. Oh, I heard that scripture before. Or, uh, oh, that's old stuff. Or, uh, uh, yeah, that was a prophecy, but it was pretty general. You know, anybody, that could happen to anybody. Or you start looking for things to pick at. Amen. Uh, you pick at the music. You pick at the preaching. You pick at the pastors or uh, a brother or sister in the pew, you find something yeah. 
because you're miserable inside, so you can find something that would, would uh, you think is going to make satisfy you and make you happy, but it don't. So what we used to get excited about, and once held as precious and valuable to us, it has a tendency to become, uh, or we just begin to take it take advantage of it. And we don't value it and esteem it anymore. We, we expect it. So we become so accustomed to church and all the good things God's doing in our lives. And slowly but surely, we begin to lose the joy that we used to have just hearing the mention of Jesus' name. We lose the joy we had about coming to church. We lose the joy we had about reading the word and and praying and fellowshipping with God and seeing what God's got to say next and what God wants to do next. And we go around in life with uh, no expectancy of anything. We just want to go. And it's easy to fall into this and forget where the Lord has brought us from and delivered us from the hell that we were bound for. It's easy to forget that. And when you do, you're in trouble. Because you allow the things of the world to become more important to you than the Lord. Amen. So in spite of all their good works at Ephesus, this is the condition. And Jesus spoke to them and said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. And that was that they had left their first love. They had drifted away. Still going to church, but just going through the motions. Yeah. And then... Jesus had a, a similar message for the church in Laodicea. He said in Revelation 3.15, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. It sounds like the rich, run, young, uh, the rich farmer and the rich young ruler, doesn't it? I don't need a thing, and I don't need you. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You might be rich on the outside, but that's what you are on the inside. And you may be rich with worldly possessions like the farmer and the young ruler, but they were not rich towards God anymore. Yeah. And you're looking good on the outside, but spiritually, Jesus said, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then he told them what to do. See, Jesus has a remedy for wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. In other words, just like he told the church at Ephesus, repent. And they were straddling the fence because that's what lukewarm is. Just sitting on the fence, not sure which way you want to go. And he's giving them a choice. And I know we've heard messages on this before. I've preached about lukewarmness before. But Jesus, and it sounds kind of hard, but Jesus is saying get in or get out. Yes. Get all the way in the kingdom of God or get all the way out and get into the kingdom of the world. Yes. There is no middle ground. There is no straddling the fence. Jesus said, if, if you're not for me, you're against me. No half and half, no blend of any kind. You're either for him or you're against him. And even, even Joshua says, choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
He had to make a choice. Couldn't be both. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. It don't work that way. He says, get in or out. I'd rather you be in or out, but not in the middle. Because you're no good to me. As a matter of fact, being lukewarm, you do more harm to the kingdom of God that's than you do good. I know what to expect from a sinner yes, that's in the world. Yes, but if you're it. sitting on the fence, I'm not sure what to expect out of you. Yes. You're in the kingdom one day, you're in the world the next day. I don't yes. know what to believe about you. You're not a good witness to me. Yes. So then he says, I advise you to buy gold from me. In other words, invest in me, not the world. Gold that has been purified by fire, he said, then you will be rich. Sounds like he's telling us to lay up treasures in heaven, to invest in the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. Also, buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. In other words, God has a remedy for your nakedness. He had a remedy for Adam and Eve's nakedness. Yeah. He got a remedy for your spiritual blindness. Yes. And, and uh, he and over, he has a remedy for wretched, poor, uh, blind, and naked. Uh -huh. And then he said, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference or repent from your sin. So they're straddling the fence. Uh, again, that's what lukewarm is. And he's saying, get in or get out. Don't play with me. Don't play with the kingdom of God. You're either going to be sold out to me 100% or sold out to the world 100%. You can't go 50-50. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy the things of the world. Doesn't mean you can't have worldly possessions. But he wants your priorities right. The, uh, the thing we should care about more than anything else in the world is being on fire for God. Yes. That's what we need is the fire for God. Yes. We can't be lukewarm anymore. We should be blazing hot for the yes. Lord. Yes. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're teaching this series on the mighty Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost to be yes. on fire for yes. God. Yes. He's the one that not only rekindles the flame, yes. but he'll stir it up. Yes. Amen. Yes. He'll add yes. to the fire. He'll make sure you're on fire for God and burning for God. Yes. Yes. Sold out to God. And we should want that more than anything else in the world. And if we don't, there's a problem. Yes, there there's is. a heart condition. If you yes, don't want sir. to be sold out for God, if you know, there's a lot of people that are sitting on the fence and loving it. Uh -huh. A lot of people that are lukewarm <laughs> and they're satisfied with it, happy to be lukewarm. They think it's okay. It's not. And you know what? I don't have to tell you if you're lukewarm. I'm pretty sure that you know if you are or not. So I don't have to tell you. You know when you're lukewarm. You understand when you're lukewarm. You know what it is. You know whether or not you're sold out to God. I don't have to tell you that or do a, a, a discovery of some kind to find out. And, and uh, But here's the problem I have. If somebody knows they're lukewarm, and then leaves here without doing anything about it. That's a problem. Yeah. If you know you're lukewarm and you don't do anything about it, that means that you're loving where you're at. You're lukewarm and you're enjoying it. And, you know, these people were laid back about God and they, they didn't feel like they needed him. They felt like they had everything they needed and it was because they were rich. 
It was an affluent church in an affluent neighborhood in a, a prospering country. Come on. And they were rich physically with possessions and money. And they felt like they had everything they needed uh, and they neglected their spiritual well-being. That's why Jesus said they're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked, spiritually speaking. And isn't that what happens to a lot of us? We get so caught up in the things of the world. I got this job and it's not enough. I need a part-time job. And I run from this job to this job and this place to this place. And and it's never enough. That's right. And we're so busy. Yep. And there's a lot of, there's a tremendous amount of stress with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of stress with worrying about where your next buck is going to come from. That's right. And how you're going to continue to pay for what you have. Uh-huh. And how you're going to keep what you have. And it's all on consignment. So you're stressing, you're worrying, you're losing sleep at night. It's affecting your health. It ain't worth it. I'd rather just concentrate on one thing, seeking first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right. And then all these things would just be added to it. No stress, no worry. If you got faith anyway. There's a danger of having great possessions. It's not wrong to have them, but there's a danger in having great possessions because we can lose our soul over them. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's also why many people aren't blessed as much as God would like to bless them because they couldn't handle the blessing. That's exactly right, mm-hmm. yes. God blesses you with something yeah. and before you know it, you ain't got time for him. That's right. God, I want a boat. Not if you're gonna be out on the lake on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Amen. God, I, I need a new house, a bigger house. Nothing wrong with that. But if it takes up all your money and you stop giving and uh, you don't have time for God anymore because you're constantly fixing or painting or working on that house, God's not going to give you that. That's it, would, right. it would be to your detriment if he did. So that's why we have to, he wants us to prosper above all things even as our soul prospers. If our soul is prospering and he knows that ain't going to affect our soul, He'll let you have some things that you don't have. Amen. 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 I'm not saying that's the reason some of you are driving raggedy cars or whatever. I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm just saying it is a reason for some people. They can't handle great riches. And God's more concerned about your soul than he is your possessions here on the earth. If you're going to backslide over something, God's not going to feed that habit. I'm going to no, tell you sir. right now. Yeah, I don't need a whole lot of God. I have a good job. I have a nice car. I have a nice house. Uh, my kids' college tuition is paid for. I got my retirement account. I'm doing pretty good. I'm all set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people just want a little bit of God in their lives. Sure. They want God in their life, but not too much. Yeah. Just a little bit. It's good to come to church once in a while, but not every time the doors is open. Come on. It's good to give a little, but not 10%. Come on. It's good for my kids to learn some morals, some morals, but let's face it, boys will be boys and girls will be girls. No, sir. 
Some people are content with that type of life. Some people are content with being lukewarm, being on the fence, a little of God, a little of the world. Come on. And, and I'm telling you, God will eventually push you in one direction or another. He'll get you off that fence somehow. Yes. And if he knows your heart is in the world, that's the way he's going to push you. He'll give you a nudge. Amen. And if he knows you have a heart for him, but you're struggling with some things in the world, he'll push you into the kingdom of God. That's right. And you'll find a cure for that itch. Amen. 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 See, here's the thing. Some people content with being lukewarm and even get upset when their pastors challenge them to get them on fire for God. Uh, He's just overdoing it. That's just excess. You know, all this Holy Ghost, that's all he ever talks about is the Holy Ghost. That's because he needs what you, you need what he's talking about. Amen. You're sitting on the fence having a hard time. Who to sell out to? Jesus or the world? Which way should I go? This way or this way? I think, uh, no, I, oh, no, and you just keep on straddling the fence. Let me see. Now, I either sell out to Jesus, who is eternal and created the world and everything in the world, or I sell out to the things of the world, the possessions of the world, uh, the pleasure of sin, which is just for a moment, which is all temporal and subject to change. Let me see, this is such a hard decision. Which way should I go? <laughs> it's easy to get attached to people and things. And before you know it, you're so busy with life, you don't have time for God. That's it. It becomes hard to even focus on God. Uh-huh. And, and, I mean, is your life so busy that you don't have time for a rich relationship with God. Is your sin so important that it doesn't afford you time for a good relationship with God? Mm-hmm. I mean, which way should I go here? Which which would be better for me? The pleasure of sin for a moment or a rich relationship of, with God, which is eternal? Yeah. Amen. Think about it. But I mean... Uh, To me, nothing's more important than your relationship with God. Nothing. Jesus said in verse 20, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's more than just having lunch with with Jesus. He's talking about covenant. He's saying, "This this is covenant talk. I will make a covenant with you. And we will be in a covenant relationship. All you got to do is open the door. Yes. I'm knocking. Yes. And, and I mean, why are you having such a hard time opening the door? Why won't you let him in? The riches he's offering you are far greater than any riches or possessions that you can get in the world. Yes. Sure. We're talking eternal stuff here. Yes. He said, if you can overcome, he's talking about lukewarmness. If you can overcome lukewarmness, if you can just get the victory over it, I'll let you sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Do we realize, do we even realize what he's offering us here? 
We can't even fathom it. We can't even imagine it. Sitting with him on his father's throne. And Jesus went to uh, Jericho one day. And Jericho means a curse, the cursed place. And I'm so glad Jesus goes to cursed places because that's where he found me and most of you. He didn't find you in church. He went to an accursed place to look for you. There was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was not a tax collector, but the chief tax collector of the whole region. And he had become very rich by collecting taxes. He would collect taxes and get a, a commission for the taxes. But sometimes he'd do a little skimming too. Yes. He'd raise the taxes and yes. get his commission and the extra taxes. Yes. Everybody hated a tax collector in Israel. They, yes. Nobody liked the tax collector, especially the chief tax collector of them all. So anyway, Jesus come to Jericho and he obviously brought a crowd. It was like a Trump meeting. I mean, they were lying on both sides of the road. And everybody pushing to get in to get a peek at Jesus. Yes. And, and so Zacchaeus, he was vertically challenged. He was a little short. And he's jumping up, trying to get a look at Jesus. Couldn't get a look at Jesus. So he runs ahead down the road and climbs a sycamore tree. Yeah, and he's watching for Jesus. Yeah. And he didn't, the Bible doesn't say he said anything to Jesus. But when Jesus got to him, he said, Zacchaeus. Come down, for I'm going to have lunch at your house today. Yes. Invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for lunch. Yes. Now remember, Zacchaeus is a uh, tax collector. He's hated by the Jews. And yet Jesus says, I'm having lunch at your house today, Zacchaeus. And so Zacchaeus was overcome with excitement and joy, as we should be when we get an invitation yes, from Jesus. Amen. And he jumps down from the tree. And he takes Jesus to his house. But the people, the Bible says, were displeased yes. and began to grumble yeah. that Jesus was going to a sinner's house. Yes. Thank God he goes to sinner's house. Amen. Or he didn't ever come to your house. He didn't ever yeah. come to my house. Yeah. And, and it seems like whenever somebody gets blessed, somebody gets jealous. Amen. And because he was being blessed, they begin to grumble and complain yes. and find fault with it. Yes. I'm telling you, if you can't rejoice with your brother and sister, right. you are not going to get blessed either. Amen. But Zacchaeus uh, tells Jesus, he says, Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Yes. Now, how did he know who he cheated? Because he kept books. That's right. And if he didn't have the books, he could ask Jesus. Jesus knew. Yeah. Jesus knew every penny, sure where did. every penny went. He sure does. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so just being in the presence of the Lord caused great conviction on Zacchaeus and repentance. And when was the last time that happened to us? Yeah, come on. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I used to feel it all the time. With even the slightest things, yes. I would get convicted. Yes. And then you get a little, I'll let this one ride. That wasn't really that bad. Uh -huh. and, and Paul calls it having a seared conscience. You just get used to yes. 
the, uh, the conviction, and then it doesn't convict you anymore. And then pretty soon, the Holy Ghost is saying, uh-uh, don't do that, hello. And you don't even hear him anymore. Why? Right. Your conscience has been seared. Yes. It's like a callus on a hand. You know, if you swing a hammer long enough, Ethan, you're going to get a callus on your hand, right? And, and at first it's sore and it hurts. But after a while, it starts hardening. Yes. And then pretty soon, yes. you don't feel it anymore. Because right. you got a callus now and it's hard. You know, our hearts can get like that. We yes. can get a callous heart where we can't hear the Holy Ghost anymore. Yes. Can't feel the conviction anymore. Yes. Terrible place to be. Sure is. So after Zacchaeus said that, you know, I'll give, I'll pay back everybody. I cheated four times what they have, and I'll I, I level the taxes with everybody that I, I collect the taxes from or overtax, really. And Jesus responded, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today. today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Yes. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost and know they're lost. Yes. The Pharisees didn't believe they were lost. That's right. The Pharisees didn't think they needed to be found. Yes. But Zacchaeus did. Yes. And it caused Jesus to rejoice over that. And something that Jesus said was very hard to happen. That is a rich man making it into the kingdom yeah. just happened with Zacchaeus. Yes. So it's not impossible. Amen. And why? Because Zacchaeus placed a relationship with the Savior more valuable than all his worldly possessions, right. all his money. Amen. He traded his richness on earth with his richness in God. Amen. So Zacchaeus recognized that Jesus was knocking at his door and he opened it and let him in. Just like in Revelation, Jesus was saying, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and, and sup with you and we will be friends. Yes. Zacchaeus heard that now. Yes. And he slung that door wide open. Yes, he did. So Zacchaeus esteemed and valued that invitation highly. He was willing to trade his worldly goods for a rich relationship with Jesus. He didn't care about the money anymore. He just received an invitation from Jesus yeah. for eternal life. Yeah. And Jesus wanted to have lunch with him. Yeah. You know, it's like, God, I don't care about earthly treasures anymore. I want to lay up treasures in heaven from now on. Yes, sir. And did you know that every penny Zacchaeus gave back was deposited in his heavenly account? Yes. He gave it back into a physical account here, to physical people, yes. physical gold. Yes. But it, spiritually, it was transferred to heaven and placed in his account. Amen. There's no way that Zacchaeus or that rich young ruler would have ever did without if they obeyed the Lord and gave like he said they did. Just, yes. out, just out of the law of giving and receiving, they would have never did without. That's right. And even the rich, rich farmer, I don't know if he'd have died that night. If he would have recognized uh, who blessed him and gave glory to God, he might have got spared. I don't know for sure, of course. But the rich farmer and the, uh, the young ruler had a bank account on earth and the same opportunity that Zacchaeus had. Jesus gave them both an invitation. Well, he gave the, the young ruler an invitation. He said, sell uh, your good to the, to the poor. And he didn't say sell all. He says, sell your goods and give to the poor. So that meant some of his goods. 
I mean, Jesus wasn't going to strip them bare. Just sell some, just enough to help somebody. And he wouldn't do it. He was attached to his worldly goods, and his worldly goods were controlling him. They controlled the way he lived, the way he acted, the, the things that he did. They controlled his mind, everything about him. They were in control. And so as a result, he walks away spiritually bankrupt and lost. So that's not what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a little man that will jump out of a tree and accept an invitation from God. It's about a little man that will give up all his worldly goods for a relationship with God. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And uh, uh, he, he just sold out to God. He was sold out to God. One more thing, and then we're going to close. Jesus said in another place, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hid in a field. Yes. The type of treasure that when a man finds it, he will sell everything he has to purchase it because he realizes that there is nothing he owns or ever will own that can ever be as valuable as the treasure he found in that field. Yes. Now that treasure was one pearl of great price. Yes. I don't know how big that pearl was, but God's got some big pearls. Yes. I mean, he got four gates in heaven yes. that are enormous gates, and they were carved out of one pearl. Yes. Each one was carved out of one pearl. That had to be a big pearl. Yes. But in the parable here, Jesus is that great pearl, that pearl of great price. And the field it was found in is the kingdom of God. Yes. And there's nothing more valuable this man found it, and he gave all that he had. He sold everything he had to get enough money to buy that field. Why? Because he recognized the value of it and what was in it. Yes. And so let me ask you a question this morning. Are you sold out to God, or do you still have a for sale sign in your yard? I mean, if, if, if you still got a for sale sign in your yard, you're straddling the fence, the devil's going to make you an offer. He's going to make you a good offer. Yes, and it might not only be valuable things. It could be, you know, personal things. It could be uh, a number of things. It doesn't always have to come down to money or worldly possessions. But that's usually how he hooks us. Yes. Something that appeals to our flesh. Yes. And James said we're drawn away into sin. What? by the desires of our own flesh. So he's going to find out what you desire. Yes. He can't read your mind, but you're going to speak it. Yes. Or he can tell by how you act yes. and how you light up when you see something. And he's going to know. And he's going to offer something valuable to you. And you will, if you're not sold out to God, you will sell out to the devil. And you'll be, uh, you'll be on the wrong side of the fence. And I know this seems like a hard word this morning, but I, I, I'm presenting it the best way I can because just like Jesus disciplines because he loves us, yeah. I'm doing it for the same reason, because I love you guys. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm not happy with what, I'm, what I see going on in the church. I'm just not happy. I know that some of us are really struggling with our relationship with God. I know we are. I struggle with mine at times. But I tell you what, I get it right as soon as possible. I come to my senses quickly. 
But you know what? If it's not corrected, it gets easier and easier. And you can look around the church. You know people. I mean, you're, I'm not tattling on anybody and giving names or anything, but uh, you know how people left this church. It started out with missing Wednesday night. Then missed two Wednesday nights. And then missed two Wednesday nights and the following Sunday. And then missed two Sundays. It happens gradually. Yeah. That's right. But you can look around here and you can see they're gone. And I'll be honest with you about something else. Just like I said before, they blame the pastors, they blame the praise and worship, they blame so-and-so don't like me, or this is a click and that's a click and I can't get in. And, uh, just one thing after another. The devil, the devil has no shortage of good excuses. He'll give you every excuse that you need. But the point is this, if you're not sold out to God, you will fall pray to that kind of junk. Yes. Yeah. But if you're sold out to God, if there's a problem in the church, be part of the solution. Amen. Fix yes. it. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. And, and uh, you know, uh, we weren't real happy with the praise and worship here for years. Not the praise and worship team, but the sound. And what happened? We're fixing it. Yes. That's what we should do with every problem we have yes. in the church. We should fix it. Yes. And not everything can cost money like yes. the parking lot and the the sound equipment, you know, there's things we can fix with just a little love, a little compassion, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, a little generosity, a little advice. There's all kinds of things you can do. Swallow some pride, walk across the aisle, and shake hands with that person you've been throwing daggers at. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that, that we could do to make this a better place. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can't help me with my preaching. I was just, it is what it is. <laughs> You can pray for me, though. Yes. Amen. Have God help me with my preaching. That's right. Amen. Amen. Unplug your ears. Huh? Unplug your ears. Unplug the mirrors, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm giving you an invitation this morning. If you're not on fire for God, do something about it. Yes. If you're lukewarm and you know it, do something about it. Amen. Quit using the excuses that the devil gets you. Amen. Get that zeal back. You're the only one that can control that. That's right. If churches become humdrum to you, change it. Yes. yes. Do something Amen. about it. Amen. 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 Get involved again. Get on fire for God again. Yes. Read your word more. Pray more. Yes. If there's something you don't like, pray and ask God to change it. Yes. And if you don't change it, it's, it's then you have to change it. That's right. But do something about it. Don't yes. just fall prey to the devil and just say, oh, church ain't what it used to be. The pastor ain't as anointed as he used to be. The praise and worship is too loud, too soft. They sing old songs. They use CDs. And, you know, the toilet ain't clean enough. And just all, you know, the devil, like I said, he'll give you all the excuses you need. Amen. Just get on fire for God. Yes. Get yes. out for God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you and give you glory and honor. Thank you for this word that came forth today, Lord. I pray it came forth with conviction. I pray everybody in here will consider everything that was said today and ponder it in their hearts, Lord. And God, show them the mirror of the word of God and let them see the reflection of their inner man, their spiritual man. 
And Lord, they might be feeling good, looking good on the outside, prospering on the outside, but inside they're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. And Lord, I know you're, you're more concerned with their soul than you are with their earthly possessions and prosperity. But Lord, you also told us if we prosper in soul, we will prosper in every other area of our life. Yes. So help us to focus on and concentrate on our souls. Help us to focus on and concentrate on putting Jesus first in our lives. And Lord, if our fire ain't burning, stir us up this morning. Yes. Stir us up right now, Lord. I ask you to just stir everybody in this place right now where they're sitting. Stir them up. Stir that fire up, Lord. Blow on them, them embers, Lord. Let them come back to life. Let them come into a full-blown flame. Lord, let them get on fire for you again like they were the day they got saved. God, return unto us the joy of our salvation. Help us feel that day of salvation again, Lord. You said today is the day of salvation, Lord. So let us feel that salvation that we felt the first time. Help us to get excited about the name of Jesus again. When we hear his name, we should get excited and shout hallelujah. When we, when we know that it's time to get ready for church, we should get excited, Lord. And not only get to church, but get to church early and find out what we can do. Can we pray? Can we do something? Can we help in some kind of a way? <coughs> help us to become a part of the solution and not the problem, Lord. Hallelujah. Stir us, Lord. Stir us. Holy Ghost, stir us this morning. Let us feel that again. Let yeah. us feel that excitement yeah. again, Lord. Yes. And if there's nothing exciting going on around us, help us to become the excitement for those that are around us, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you. There's no doubt about that, Lord. We love you. You know we love you. But we just get a little complacent at times. And we know it's not your fault. It's not nobody's fault but ours. Yes. It's a heart condition, but you're a heart specialist, Lord. You said you can fix hearts. You can even take a heart of stone out and replace it with a heart of flesh, Lord. And you did that at the new birth. We're new creations. We're new creatures. Remind us of that so we can start acting like Hallelujah. We thank you and praise you and give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Yes. Don't always look for somebody else to encourage you. If you need encouragement and it don't come from outside, then stir yourself up. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Get in the Word. He'll bring you to a place in the Scriptures that will stir you up and get you excited and encouraged again. Yes. And we need that encouragement every day. Yes. You get it twice a week by coming to church, but yes. you need a little encouragement every day yes. if you want to make and be successful in this yes. life. Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Your pastors love you. Yes. Glory to God. We appreciate you all so much. Yes.
This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Thank you.